1: I would say the biggest mistake um, and the biggest emotional decision, and I think that they kind of um, work together, is the marital home. Um, you know, the first thing is, what are we doing with the marital home? and. You know, primarily um, the woman wants to keep the house, uh, especially if there's young children, uh, to continue living there until obviously the last one goes off to college. However, most people don't realize that when you maintain the marital home, there is mortgage payments, there's property taxes, there's repairs, there's expenses that go along with the home. So sometimes owning the marital home might not be the best solution, primarily because it is the lo- most, most of the time it's the largest asset as well as your largest liability.
0: to the Divorce Roadmap series, comprised of 24 episodes designed to be your guide through each leg of the practical divorce journey. Be powerfully prepared as top experts in the field, advise you on each logistical stage from the agonizing question of should I stay or should I go through the complex legal, financial, and parenting choices before you, to your future plans for housing, budgeting, and co-parenting post-divorce. We have a really special segment today. We've been talking for a while about children and divorce, and today's show is about finances. We had talked about the early stages of divorce and finances a couple of shows back. And today, there's three things that uh, that I want to bring Uh, our audience's attention to. When we talk about finances and divorce, it really breaks down into three categories. We have child support, for those of you who have children, spousal support, which is sometimes an issue and sometimes not, and marital assets, which is always on the table. And so with child support in many areas, there is a very uh, hard and fast uh, calculation that uh, local uh, judicial areas have. Spousal support, oftentimes it's a little bit more flexible and um, and it has to do with the, um, the, the purpose for spousal support is really for the either non-moneyed or lower income spouse to have a period of time to gain some traction to either keep their same standard of living or do what they're going to do over that period of time. And then the marital assets. And so whether you're uh, wherever you are with marital assets, that ends up being a huge part of the divorce. We're really divvying up um, finances and parenting time. So today... um, We're really focusing on dividing those marital assets, and we're speaking to a financial expert to offer insight into the questions that you should be asking and the support that will really be priceless as you navigate the financial negotiations of your divorce. So we have with us today a good friend of mine, Jamie Goodman, and she's been providing wealth management services for over 25 years. Uh, Jamie works for Merrill Lynch and is the leader of the Goodman Group. And after experiencing her own divorce a number of years ago, uh, Jamie extended her training to become a certified divorce financial analyst in order to really effectively address the needs of uh, before, during, and after um, financial issues with divorcing individuals. So I'm really excited to have you here today, Jamie. Welcome. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me as well. Before we jump into all of the details and and advice that you're going to share with us, Jamie, I just want to lay the foundation for our listeners. Regardless of. What your financial paradigm is, what your financial reality is, finances raise fear during divorce because there's so much uncertainty. We all know that you're going from having one household to splitting things, and the uncertainty of what what's that going to look like on the other end raises fear. Fear creates, scenarios that, uh, are like nightmare scenarios. And, and when we step into that and start thinking about those worst case scenarios, we become reactive and it also depletes us of vital energy that we need in order to be fully engaged in the negotiation. That that fear and that that nightmare scenario, in turn, creates unnecessary conflict as we react. Uh, and so, and as each party in the divorce begins to vie for the most they can get, for fear of not having enough. And so, you know, me and my team at Journey Beyond Divorce, we see this all the time when we're speaking to people. And so before we get into the details of the finances, I want to bring your attention to what you do have control over. And that is your emotions and how you engage and react around the conversation of money and divorce. And if you haven't yet tuned in to the uh, Divorce Recovery Series podcast series that we have. It's a 12-step series. I really encourage you to check out uh, Step One, which is all about slowing your reactions. And it's great to go through the whole series for the purpose of today's conversation on finances uh, by listening into slow slow your reaction. Step One rather than having knee jerk reactions to whatever your spouse is saying or threatening, uh, you can create some space and begin to respond more consciously and more effectively in that conversation. And in doing so, you'll change and improve the outcome of each conversation and of the negotiation in general, Uh, So you can access these 12-step, the 12-step series and the accompanying guide um, by going to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com. So just jot that down. It's DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com. We'll mention it again at the end of the show. Uh, But many of you may have heard horror stories from your friends and family about spouses that either took them for all they were worth or left them penniless, and so all All of that is information that doesn't serve you and that can really trigger you. And so slowing your reaction enables you to kind of step back and look at what's real and and engage in a way that uh, is going to serve what you ultimately want. So I just wanted to lay that as a groundwork. Let's jump in. I really encourage you to get a pen and paper if you don't have one, because Jamie's going to be sharing a lot of really valuable information and you're going to want to take notes. We're going to be discussing um, the distribution of marital assets and looking closely at the issues of the real value of your assets and the tax ramifications and different things that you need to understand. So before we jump into that, Jamie, you're a certified divorce financial analyst. Can you explain what that designation means and how how that's valuable for men and women going through divorce to engage with? Uh, Sure. This is a
1: designation that I decided to get uh, once I decided that I really wanted to focus on the niche of working with divorced people. And, what this really helps us do is to understand all of the tax ramifications uh, surrounding different types of property settlements, as well as really looking at where your lifestyle is today and how those property settlements uh, is going to affect your lifestyle sometime in the future. Uh, so it's everything from reviewing um, your short-term and long-term effects of dividing the property, uh, looking at tax issues, um, you know, deciding, for example, if the clients can afford the matrimonial home, et cetera. So I really begin with you at the beginning of the process and help you through the entire process and even thereafter, because obviously even after you get divorced,
0: there's certain things that you have to take care of as well. You know, so what I'm hearing is uh, that between all of the information that a client has to gather and if you're listening in and you didn't listen to our other show on finances, the early stages, really go back and listen to that because that talks about net worth statement and gathering information. But between gathering that information and then Really understanding what those numbers are and, um, and what the value behind those assets are and then what the tax ramifications are. And the other thing I heard you say is that, that forecasting piece, like what's your lifestyle like now and what is it that you desire and how do we help you get there? So that, that sounds like a pretty robust package of um, services that you offer, for Jamie. That is correct. I would say the most
1: difficult job that I have when speaking um, with individuals with divorced individuals is the managing expectations, Um, you know, figuring out, understand that their lifestyle is going to change and checking in with reality of how things are going to be different
0: in the future. You know, and if we could stay on the reality for a minute, because that's what I was speaking to earlier. I, I think that we and and you can kind of chime in with any stories you have, but I've had people on both sides of that reality, um, more often people who you know, fear the worst case scenario. I mean, I've worked with people who have really significant assets who still have this kind of fear of living in the street or being penniless. But then there's the other side too of people who feel like they um, they expect that nothing's going to change and they'll be able to continue their lifestyle even though there's now going to be two homes and a, and a division of assets. And so it's really important that, um, with the managing expectations part that you're talking about, that that you ground people in uh, what's real. And how do you do that? Well, first of all, that's very true, Karen. First of
1: all, you know, it's very important that once the net worth statement is compiled, as you mentioned in the previous um, podcast, we're able to analyze all that information. But more importantly, as we sit down and look at what is your budget, how is your budget going to change the money that's that you fixed expenses that you currently have each month going out and what exactly is the income. That's coming in, whether it's your, if you're working, whether you have, um, you know, maintenance coming in or child support coming in. And is there going to be a surplus or is there going to be a deficit at the end of each month? And if there's going to be a deficit, we need to take whatever assets that you're getting from the property settlement and figure out how we're going to generate that extra income for you to. Uh, maintained your monthly lifestyle, um, as well as really looking at the future and how we going to, there's really three things. There's clients either are going to, or individuals are either going to maintain their current lifestyle, or they're going to have to either save more, or if they're not currently working, they might need to go back to work. Or their assets might need to grow more aggressively in order for them to get to
0: where they need to be. So I'm, I'm curious. You're saying something that I'm, I'm raising an eyebrow. Uh, okay. You've been doing this for a while. How often do you find that people go through divorce and, and really, truly maintain their lifestyle?
1: There are some that maintain their lifestyle, and that's primarily if they are in the higher net worth bracket. I would say a majority of the individuals that I do work with cannot maintain their lifestyle. And that's really on, again, focusing and really showing them reality by putting it on paper. Um, And we have the capability of really entering all the current information from that property settlement and figuring out through all of these computations and algorithms of how much money can they really live on in order to maintain their lifestyle throughout their retirement. So it's not only now, but that money has to last till their retirement and and furthermore as most people are living longer these days.
0: Going through a divorce is challenging. It involves many issues, legal, financial, emotional, and social, and requires the guidance of a seasoned legal team to achieve optimal outcomes. That's the promise of Laufer, Delena, Jensen, Bradley, and Doran. Choosing the right family lawyer could be the most important decision you make in the divorce process. There's life after divorce, and Laufer's team helps you to get there. Providing options to mediate, arbitrate, collaborate, or litigate, the firm handles issues such as alimony, custody, child support, and equitable distribution. Each case is staffed with both a male and female attorney as their clients benefit from having both gender perspectives on their side, and that distinguishes their firm. You can get your free consultation today by calling 973-285-1444 and mention that you heard about them on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. So I have a client who, um, she's divorcing, um, her and her husband are getting divorced and he he makes a really, really nice salary. And she said, you know, I know, I know my lifestyle is going to change at least some. And what was really refreshing as we were talking about it was she was able to say, look, you know, when we were together, I just I had the ability to spend. And so, you know, I look at my closet and I look at all I spent on clothing and I just, you know, I know that I don't have to do that. And there are these other things that I used to do just because I could, whether it was for the kids of the family of the house. And so for people who, now she's in that high net um, category, but she still knows he's the one who made all the money. So even if I'm getting support for a period of time, I know that things are going to change. And so tightening the belt as with anything, I kind of want to just bring perspective in here, Uh, you can see it as doom and gloom, or as this particular client did, you can see it as, okay, if things have to change, what's the easiest thing um, for me to let go of? And, and what do those numbers look like? And how does that help me get where I want to go? And so I would imagine that when you're discussing expenses right versus income, uh, that that's one of the key things that, that clients really need to do is to realistically look at what they're spending and how much of it is a want versus a need, and how they can tighten their belts a little bit. Right, and basically that's one of
1: the things that we do, is when we go through their budget, we have to be realistic, do you actually need to spend X amount of money going to the gym each month, or do you think that you might be able to eat out less? Um, So we go through each of the different expenses and try to figure out where we might need to basically slim down those numbers a bit so they're able to live a more comfortable lifestyle in the end because unfortunately maintenance is not going to last forever and you know people that I've been dealing with over the years sometimes is that they take advantage of all this money coming in over the x amount of years that they're receiving um, maintenance and then all of a sudden it ends so we have to put um you know reality first and saying well maybe this is time where you need to start saving some of that money for the future
0: right and just for our listening audience Jamie and I are using two different terms, so I I was referring to it as spousal support. She's referring to it as maintenance. We are talking about the same thing, and typically in many states, although this morning I learned that in California it might be for forever, um, but in many states there's there's a, a, a limited amount of time that you receive that spousal support. Uh, just so that you can gain traction. And I think, Jamie, your point is a really good one, that if you have the long-term perspective in mind, then you can really um, be discerning about what to do with that income, whether it's just that you're yet a- getting a degree and growing your own career or you're putting some of it away. But that's the kind of conversation that I'm getting the sense that you have with people as they're looking at those numbers and figuring out what they want to negotiate for.
1: Yeah, those are the most important numbers. Um, And we continue to focus on those numbers throughout because... Typically, when one gets divorced, they don't know actually what their expenses are going to be because now they're living, you know, they were living in a a two spouse household and now they're living in a by themselves. And they're not sure. Maybe their entertainment costs will go down. Maybe other um, charges might go up. So we follow that at least for the first few months to to figure out um, what is more regular. Uh, going forward. So then we can focus in more
0: on those numbers. Well, and it seems to me that for people, the majority of us who aren't in that like high net worth category, that it, it almost happens the other way around, which is uh, you're going to negotiate a settlement. You're going to have whatever your income is and, and whatever your marital assets are. And you're going to have to determine where you're going to live and and, you know, what you, are and aren't going to do based on the pot that you have to work with. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. No, that, uh, that totally makes sense. But again, um, that in addition to knowing exactly how your budget is going to change, at least for the first six months, or what your expenses are going to be for the first six months, whether you're deciding to buy a new home or rent a new home, what are those expenses going to be?
0: Yeah, and I think that that at, at the very foundation of this entire conversation is being educated around money, right? Because it's really important. A lot of people know what's coming in, but they don't necessarily what's know what's going out. They may know what the bills are, but they don't know what, where all that other cash goes. And so it's really, really vital if you're in the early stages entering into the negotiation of divorce, that you, that you personally have a handle on those numbers so that you can engage in, um, in effective conversations and so that you can negotiate in a way that's going to be powerful and, and move in the direction that you want to move in. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you before we move on, because we've been talking about managing expectations, is uh, where do you see people making, uh, what's one of the biggest mistakes you see people making when it comes to expectations?
1: I would say the biggest mistake um, and the biggest emotional decision, and I think that they kind of um, work together, is the marital home. Um, You know, the first thing is, what are we doing with the marital home? And, you know, primarily um, the woman wants to keep the house Uh, especially if there's young children, uh, to continue living there until, obviously, the last one goes off to college. However, most people don't realize that when you maintain the marital home, there is mortgage payments, there's property taxes, there's repairs, there's expenses that go along with the home. So sometimes owning the marital home might not be the best solution, Primarily because it is the lo- most, most of the time, it's the largest asset as well as your largest liability. And sometimes it makes sense just to sell the home and kind of start fresh.
0: And that's such an emotional thing because it's 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 your home that you're talking about. And so you had said a little bit earlier, which is really the unweaving of the emotions from the decisions around finances so that you're making good financial decisions and not decisions that are um, muddied by that emotional pull that you have.
1: Right. And I think that's another big thing is that, and I, you know, I do this every day um, with clients, whether it's in the stock market or whether it's through divorce, is you have to take the emotion out of it and you have to look at it as a business decision. And that's really where I come in and try to look at it from a business perspective as opposed to an emotional perspective, for them, because this is in a very, very emotional time and a big, very uh, emotional decision that they have to make.
0: You know, I was recently working with um, with a woman who was so so determined to keep the marital residence and, uh, she had done a beautiful job renovating. And so she had put her heart and soul into it and it was just like oozed her personality and this kind of a thing. And it was really interesting because financially it, it was going to be such a huge burden and push. And when I began to ask her to just imagine, um, another scenario to just try to Step away from her stronghold on that. During the course of one conversation, I believe one of the words that she she came up with was that it actually felt liberating because she had been so burdened with I have to have this, but I don't know how to have it. And so if you're listening in and and you're feeling that stronghold on the marital residence and you know that financially it may not make sense for you, it may actually be like an, an- anchor around your neck, I really encourage you to... Um. Look at what other possibilities there might be and and what positive might be in going down a different path, uh, because that's a really hard one. That's a really hard one to disconnect from. Wouldn't you agree, Jamie? No, I agree. And I know that when I was going
1: through my divorce, the first question that my kids asked me is, are we able to keep the home? So, you're not only thinking about yourself, but you're also thinking about your children and what's best for them as well. So, when you're dealing with the marital home, what I see um, when dealing with uh, with clients is you know th- there is still joint ownership of the home, meaning that one spouse stays in the home with the child, but they continue both uh, contributing to the expenses um of the home. And then once the last child goes off to college, that's when they will sell the
0: home and split the proceeds. But at that point Yeah, go ahead, Karen, sorry. No, 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 that's okay. I, I was I was just gonna chime in that what's interesting about that is depending on the age of your children, you can stay interwoven with um with your ex. And so Uh, I chose to leave my marital residence and it was like, oh, my God, it's going to devastate the kids. Well, you know what? The kids were thrilled about a new house and a new bedroom and designing it. And so it wasn't nearly, you know, this devastating thing that that I had thought it might be. Um, But staying interwoven with my ex coming from a high conflict divorce I'm certain that would have been devastating. And so, again, it's so important that our listeners just look at look at all the sides of it and and try to kind of step away. Remember, create that space and weigh the pros and cons so that you can make the best possible decision for you and your children. Um and I know we can get into more detail about that, but I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about the other assets, the ones that um, aren't dealing with real property, like, like the retirement accounts. Sure. Um, retirement accounts usually are
1: the second largest chunk of people's um, net worth. And one of the things um, that I always ask is, do you need cash now? Uh, And the reason I ask that is because retirement accounts are split 50-50, as well as many of the other assets. So for example, if you want to keep the marital home, now you're giving up part of the retirement assets. So you have to figure out what's more important. Um, If you know that you have no existing retirement assets, then retirement assets might be more important to you than maintaining the home. So with, um, but when you divide retirement assets, it gets very complicated and there's definitely a lot of tax implications that you have to um, consider um, before you go ahead and just do it.
0: The chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to divorcerecoverylifeline.com and grab your divorce survival kit today. So one of the things that I have learned that I think is so fascinating is you could have a home worth let's say, $500,000 and a retirement fund worth $500,000 and think, well, they're apples and apples, but not really. And can you talk a little bit about uh, the numbers not reflecting the value and why that is? Yeah, that's a great question.
1: Um, With regards to the marital home, what um, if someone may if someone continues to live in the marital home and they let's say own it outright you have to know exactly what your cost basis is meaning what is the price that you originally bought your home and then add in the improvements that you might have made over those years and now you're looking at when you sell the house how much are you selling the house for now whether between the cost basis of what you bought the house and what you sold it at if it's at a much higher level, it's called a capital gain. And unfortunately in this country, we also have to pay capital gains taxes. So however, the way that the tax rule is written right now is that married couples can actually, um, can actually take advantage of $500,000 that they don't have to pay capital gains on. So for example, So
0: let me let me slow this down for a second. I just short because you went past it really quickly. So exactly. if I buy a house for 250 and when I go to get divorced it's worth 500, then I have a, I have a capital gain of $250,000. That is
1: correct. However, due to the tax rule, as long as you live in the home for 2 out of the last 5 years, The government says for each individual, you don't have to pay capital gains on the first two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So in your particular example, even though you made two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on your home, you don't have to pay any capital gains tax on that because that's the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar exclusion
0: that the government allows you. However, if I had bought a house and it went up, let's say, 500000 or $750,000, then I think I'm like, okay, I have this great house. It's now worth a million dollars, but there's a huge tax burden attached to negotiating that house as mine, isn't there? That is correct. So that's something that you would need to consider, that if you
1: bought the house, Let's say, like you said, two fifty and you sold it for a million. That means that you have a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars gain. The government is giving you two hundred and fifty thousand. So now you actually have a capital gain of half a million dollars in which the government is
0: going to want fifteen percent of that as tax. So, so there, that's great. That yeah. really shows so crystal clear. You're talking about a lot of money and if you weren't aware of that tax implication, you could find yourself buried. That is correct. So that's why it's
1: very important that if you decide to keep the house in in your name, that you might have a capital gain in the future. Now, if you decide to keep the house jointly, and you both are on the mortgage, then obviously that capital gain in the future will be split evenly. And that has to be
0: indicated in your divorce decree. Now, Jamie, where else do tax ramifications come in? Is there anything around pensions and 401ks and the whole retirement package where it also uh, yes. taxes are also an issue? Yes, well, going back to your original question about what's equal.
1: um, So their marital home is a taxable, could be a taxable event for you in the future. Whereas a retirement plan, retirement plan is an IRA, an individual retirement account, or it could be a 401k, which is something that you would receive if you had worked at a company or, or still work at a company. And these are the retirement assets that would need to be split. Now, if you're not familiar with retirement accounts, they grow tax-deferred and they grow compounded, so you're not paying any capital gains tax or any income taxes on this money until you actually take the money out. Now you can start taking the money out when you're 59 and a half, and, but you must take the money out by the time you turn 70 and a half. So, this money actually, because it's growing tax deferred compounded, you're getting a lot more for your money now, and it's going to continue to grow until you take that money out. Now, if you take that money out before 59 and a half, you would get subject to a 10% penalty. However, if you're getting divorced, the government does allow you to transfer money from one IRA, from one spouse to another, without paying that 10% penalty before the age of 59 and a half.
0: So you can transfer, negotiate for a certain amount of money from your spouse's um, uh, uh, retirement fund and, and get that without the penalty. And then Once you take the money out, then then you're taxed. And so, you know, I'm having a little bit of difficulty wrapping my brain around this. If you were to say what the rule of thumb is, what is what do our listeners want to look for or pay attention to when considering negotiating uh, uh, around the um, the retirement funds? I would say that the retirement accounts are
1: probably one of the most important um, assets uh, in a property settlement. Um, But again, it goes back to the question of, do you need the cash now? And what does that mean? It means that if you have money that's just sitting in a brokerage account, that's personal money. That's money that you can actually have today and spend today. Retirement money, you can't touch until you're at least 59 and a half. So if you are willing to give up, whether it's money that you need today that's liquid or your home and receive retirement accounts, you're best off um, keeping the retirement accounts because they're growing tax deferred, compounded throughout your entire lifetime or until you start taking the money out at least at 70 and a half.
0: Yeah. And I just want to say that just as you're talking and I've spoken to so many people who do what you do and um, and it's, it's a little difficult for me to wrap my brain around all of this. And so for those of you listening, I understand that when you're going through a divorce, your attorney costs a lot of money. You might be working with a coach or a therapist and it's like, really, I, I, I need another expert. It's so important that you meet with and work with a financial expert because they they understand this stuff so well and at the end of the day divorce is not about getting justice divorce is about the divvying up of parenting time and assets and you want to know what you're talking about and you want to be crystal clear on what the most strategic approach is for you to get the best possible settlement, and having a financial expert on your team is going to go a long way toward getting you there. So, I just want to kind of put that right out there. No, I appreciate that, Karen. And, like I said, this retirement plan is
1: very complicated, and there definitely are a lot of tax implications. So, it is really, really important to speak. To a financial advisor with regards to um, how it's going to affect you, and to make sure that when you are making those transfers that they're done properly. And the other thing that I want to mention is, if you're receiving funds from a four hundred one k from your from your spouse, you need something that's called a quadro, um, and a quadro is a qualified. Domestic relations order. And this is actually an order from the court to the retirement plan administrator spelling out exactly how those plan benefits are supposed to be assigned to the other spouse in the divorce. So this, again, is another piece of information and something that you need to actually get started on prior to the divorce being final. So then again, like I said, and you said, Karen, is that you really need to speak with somebody so you don't make the wrong decisions and have tax implications that you were not aware of.
0: And the other thing that I will say is there's a lot of attorney, I mean, attorneys, matrimonial attorneys are dealing in this and because divorce is so much about the money, um, there are plenty of matrimonial attorneys who feel like, you know, I've got this, you, you just, you don't need anyone else. And, you know, I just encourage you to be discerning from, from my perspective. And I'm going to say humble as it is, uh, if I go to school, uh, To learn the law, um, my specialty is um, legal negotiating and legal strategy. If I go to school to understand finances, my specialty is finances. And so I don't think it's an either or. I think you need an attorney and you need a financial expert and that you would be well served having both. Um, and so that's it. That's, my, that's one of the few things where I find myself telling clients, because in coaching, we're always asking and encouraging you to figure out what's best. But when it comes to the finances of divorce, I always say, you know, at least explore it, meet someone, sit down, talk to them, see the value and 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 then determine whether or not it makes sense for you to work with them, because it's such a vital part of of the divorce um, and the divorce negotiations. You know, there's one more area that I wanted to touch on with you, Jamie, and that's social security. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that plays a role in in divorce negotiating? Uh, sure. I mean, social security is always an
1: issue that Some people even say, are we even going to have Social Security by the time that we retire? Um, And obviously, nobody knows that answer. But if a couple has been married for more than 10 years or longer, the spouse actually is entitled to half of her ex-spouse's Social Security benefits. So, for example, if I I did not have any Social Security because I never worked, and my soon-to-be ex is gonna be making two thousand dollars a month on Social Security, then I'm entitled to at least a thousand dollars a month of social security for the rest of my life. And that doesn't affect him at all. He'll still receive his two thousand dollars, but I will now get a thousand. However, if I am working and I am and I do receive two thousand dollars or more of my own Social Security I get whatever is higher. So if my social security is going to be higher than 50% of my spouses, then I'm only going to receive mine. I can't double dip on this one.
0: But, you know, what's really interesting is I never realized that by you getting by, by the non-moneyed spouse or the stay at home um, spouse getting uh some of their excess of social security, that it's really the government who's giving out the extra. It's not coming from, it's not coming out of the spouse's, the ex's pocket.
1: That is correct. That is correct. And also in order to receive social security, um, you have to be at least 62 years or older. Now, for example, if I just turned 62 and my, my soon to be ex is 62 and they decide that they don't want to take um, Social Security to 70, I could still take it out at 62 if I need it. I don't have to wait for them to take out theirs first, which is very, very important as well. And the other thing is Social Security is not a marital asset that's subject to division. This is a completely separate um, animal. So that's not something that you're going to get Social Security regardless of – what type of divorce or what type of um, property settlement that you might have received
0: so so that's important too is that it's actually not part of the negotiation but it is a vital piece of information that you want to be aware of if you living in the united states and um you know and and you're negotiating that that's that's something that you want to know about and and take into consideration Uh, Before we wrap up, Jamie, do you have any final words of advice or is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to make sure to share with our listeners? I would... um Yeah, I mean, obviously there's so much information that I can
1: go through and there's so many details um, that I would, you know, would love to continue talking for the next couple of hours. Unfortunately, I know I don't have the time, but one of the things that I do um, stress very much so, and this really happens after the divorce, but once the divorce is final, please make sure that you go back and you redo your will make sure you have a health proxy a new power of attorney and also very very important is to make sure that you update all of your beneficiaries on all your retirement accounts all your annuities all your life insurance policies and the reason is is that um, retirement beneficiaries will supersede anything that's in the will so If the will says one thing and the retirement beneficiaries say another thing, the retirement beneficiary is going to win.
0: Wow. I see
1: this very, very often that people do not change or they forget or they think that the will supersedes, but it doesn't. It's the retirement accounts that supersedes.
0: So you really want to take care of all of that key paperwork. You want to take care of your will, take care of your health proxy, your power of attorney, your beneficiaries, and everything that you have so that... so that your money is going to who you want it to be going to should something happen to you. Um, And I know that there's so much more. I mean, I know, Jamie, that we could sit and chat for a long time about all of the details. And I, I, you know, I know that you have um, a really valuable packet of information that outlines some of this. So can you tell us um, what that is that you offer and and then how people can reach you? Uh,
1: Sure. And thanks again um, for this opportunity, Karen. And I hope that your audience found this uh, helpful and some of the information that I provided to you. Um, The packet that I have really goes through the 15 mistakes that most people make during the process of divorce. Um, All the things that you should do pre, missed and post-divorce and things that you need to update or change or compile, et cetera. And then most importantly, again, going back to the budget and the expense worksheet, as well as some other uh, helpful information. So I would love to um, provide this packet to anybody that is interested. Um, You can actually reach me at Jamie, that's J-A-I-M-E, underscore Goodman, at ml, for Merrill Lynch, dot com. My direct line is 914-682-5546. Or if you wish just to learn more about me, you can view my website, which is www.fa.ml backslash Goodman. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn as well.
0: That sounds wonderful. And I just want to say that I've, you know, I've had clients who've come to you and used you and, and, and I've seen and read through your entire packet. And there's just a tremendous amount of really, really valuable information that your packet offers and, and you're incredible in working with people. And so if you're listening in and Jamie, what area do you serve? Could you just talk a little bit about what um, geographic area you serve? Uh, Sure. Uh, I primarily
1: serve Westchester, Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York City. Uh, I currently live in Westchester. However, I worked in the city for 18 years, and I commute there several times a month uh, to see clients. And again, what you were saying before, Karen, is my biggest uh, referrers are divorce attorneys because they do realize that this is a specific expertise that they know that they can put property settlements together, but they don't actually know what the financial or the tax implications may be on those property settlements.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jamie, I want to thank you so much for sharing all this information with us. You know, for those of you listening, we've equipped you with a bunch of facts and you can certainly reach out to Jamie and receive even more through the packet that she offers only you can control your emotional reaction to money. And some of you may be of the ilk that you'd rather stick your head in the sand because it's overwhelming. And some of you would rather put your dukes up and fight because you're scared and you want to make sure that you don't, you know, you don't get uh, the short end. Um, And the thing is, How you engage in these conversations is going to be as important as knowing the details of the finances. And the more level-headed that you can be – the better off for you. And the more that you can deal in what's real. Uh, so we know that life changes, uh, what was all under one roof is now going to be under two and things are going to be split. And to just know that that's going to happen. And instead of being afraid of it, start to look at it and figure out what that means for you. And, um, and to, I really want to encourage you to create that solid support team, that professional support team, because it makes a big difference. You may feel like you're in divorce for forever. I was I took me three and a half years to seem like a lifetime. And yet now looking back, it's 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 a blip on the radar. And so it's temporary. And it's a temporary investment and it's the best investment you can make. We talked a lot about finding the right attorney. Um, You've learned a little bit uh, from the last podcast and this one about financial experts and the emotional support that you can get from divorce coaches like me and my team or therapists is it makes such a big difference in how you go through divorce and how you emerge from your divorce. And so we've dedicated journey beyond divorce to supporting men and women, um, going through divorce with these shows right now, the Navigating Divorce series, which is all about the logistics and getting as much information as you possibly can to, to negotiate all of the different parts of your divorce. And we also support in a really big way the emotional. And what we've learned is that everybody... Need something different. And so if you're listening in and you're more of a one on one, get the support that you need and dive in and do your personal work one on one, then we offer that in private coaching. And if that's not for you, if you are more of the type of person who likes a group or 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 uh, chat lines. We have uh, we have a membership site where you have an online community where there is ongoing um, courses and podcasts and videos and articles that are shared with you throughout the course of time, all to support you where you are with what you need. And even that membership site involves some one-on-one with uh, coaches in uh, office hours that we hold. And so no matter where you're at, I just want you to know that you're not alone, that there's a tremendous amount of support, that we offer a tremendous amount of support, and that All you need to do is reach out and and join us. And I mentioned it before. um, The website that you could go to is DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com. You'll gain access to our 12-step podcast series. You'll get our flash guide. And you'll also be in our community so that you'll start to learn about all these different resources Uh, that can really help you and guide you and uh, encourage you along the way. So, so, so reach out, reach out to Jamie, reach out to me and my team at journey beyond divorce and definitely stay tuned. We have a lot more really valuable programs coming your way. Thanks for joining us on the journey beyond divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.